Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, today we are continuing our deep dive into the ecclesiastical existential crisis. And in this scripture of Ecclesiastes, in the word of God, where we go to experience encouragement, life, hope, the word of God in this book says that life is meaningless about 40 times. And that can be very discouraging. And uh, to that, like we said last week, welcome to Kalos Church. It's pretty difficult. In chapter two, the author decides that the meaning of life, maybe I can find it through pleasure, through really delighting my senses. In verse two of chapter two, he says, the author, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. Trying to find a meeting, meaning he's looking at pleasure to sustain him, to bring him purpose, to give him direction. I think this is like the original rumspringa of the Bible. Have you ever heard of the term rumspringa? Nobody. Nobody here. Well, this is an Amish term. And as we established last week as well, Pastor Amritha, her grandpa was born and raised Amish. He didn't have electricity or modern appliances. He didn't have any of that. He just had an axe, (laughs) some wood, and that was life. And the Amish do something really, really special. And if you don't know what the Amish are, let me give you a refresher. They have separated themselves from the world to remain pure, to be undefiled. And so they don't have modern conveniences. You'll see people wearing bonnets or driving horse carriages, no gas cars, no internet, no TVs, just very, very uh, primitive in technology. And I I grew up loving the Amish because of uh, Weird Al. Anybody know Weird Al in the house of God? He had a song called Amish Paradise. (laughs) Who knows the song? We've been spending most of our lives living in a... We've turned butter once or twice living in... A local boy kicked me in the butt last week. I just smiled at him, and I turned the other cheek. I don't really care. In fact, I wish him well, because I'll be laughing my head off when he's burning it. All right, so um, so Amish paradise. So these guys separate themselves from the world, but when they turn about 16, there's something called rumspringa, which means adolescence in some translations. In other translations, it means just moving around or jumping around. And it's a time where they get to taste the pleasures of this world. So they dive into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There's books and movies about this. I really encourage you. Actually, let me show you some pictures of Amish youth on Rumspringa. So to be or not to be Amish during this time, they have two years typically where they get to taste everything, all the worldly pleasures that they've been isolated from, and then they decide if they're going to remain Amish. And once they're baptized back into the Amish church, they have to stay Amish, and they can't taste those things anymore. Another picture, you'll see this guy at a concert, and so he said, thou shall party every fortnight. It's amazing. And so he's really taking advantage of the situation. 
in this scripture in Ecclesiastes 2, it feels like the author is saying, all right, I don't know where to find meaning. I've tried wisdom that was meaningless. I've tried order that was vanity, that was futility, that was hevel, what we learned last week, where meaningless means uh, it's like a vapor, it's, it's like smoke, it's a mystery. That's all life is. I can't figure this out. And so he does a rumspringa in 2 verse 3. So let's read what he says. He says, to find the meaning in life, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Been there. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also own large herds and flocks and baby goats more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold and Bitcoin, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. And so I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. So he's trying to find meaning and purpose, cheer himself up with wine. He's getting the finest IPAs, the best strain of indica, and he's trying to just explore this world. He's getting great singers from Beyonce to Bruno Mars. He finds concubines. He's on Pornhub. He's on OnlyFans, and he's not finding any satisfaction here. He's tasting all the pleasures where people say, you will find satisfaction here. And what was his conclusion? It says in verse 11, but as I looked at everything, I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There's nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And so this is the morning after. He wakes up after this excess joy, the morning after, and he's like, it's not worth it. I feel as empty as the bottle I just drank. Everybody told me if I had this hedonism, hedonism really means just pursuing your pleasures pursuing your lusts, taking advantage of all this world has to offer. If I would just be satisfied here, I would be satisfied all around. But it doesn't work. You know, I, I believe our generation has gone through this same path. We've tried to test pleasure to see if it would satisfy us. I wrote it like this. I believe our generation realized life isn't about possessions and wrongfully decided fulfillment comes from experiences. I believe humanity needs to discover lasting joy does not come from temporary pleasures. Have you ever felt that way? You know, I was reading this quote by Brad Pitt, famous actor, Fight Club, other movies. He wrote, I'm the guy who's got everything. I know. But I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better. And you don't wake up any better because of it. I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us. The car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? 
If you ask me, I say, toss all this. We've got to find something else. Because all I know is that at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of that spiritual being. And I don't want that. And so what do you do when you've had all the experiences, all the drugs, all the sex, all the adventures, and you still feel empty? When you've explored it all and you still feel a longing and a yearning for some depth, some meaning, some purpose. And that's what this chapter describes for all of us. Have you ever felt that way? I'm just not satisfied. I thought this would be the answer, and it's not. I watched all of Stranger Things, and I still want to watch more. I've been waiting. If, if summer, oh, I moved to Seattle, and people said that the winters are worth it if you just make it to June. And then it rains every single day. And you're like, are you kidding me? Did you know that on June 21st, the days are going to start getting shorter again? Come on, man. What do you do when the things that people promise will satisfy you don't promise you anymore? You go from high to high. You go from adrenaline to adrenaline, from trip to trip, from adventure to adventure. Yeah, we've graduated from material possessions, but we've been taught a lie that experiences are the answer. But what happens when that's not enough? And that's what chapter 2 really explores. And I understand why he goes after joy because I do want to say this, you were designed for joy. You were designed for pleasure. And it's good for us to understand that because joy is what we're designed for. And so it's one of the best lures to trap you into a cycle of death. There are three things that I, I believe we need to take away from this warning in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. The first one I want to share is this. You are more likely to be destroyed by what you like than what you hate. Painful habits often start as simple pleasures. You are designed for joy, so that is the best way to trap you, by your lusts, by your desires, by the things that you like. Have you ever heard this saying? I guess Amritha grew up with this in this Amish environment she grew up in, Mennonite. Uh, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I want to go on record by saying I've never in my life tried to catch anything with vinegar, but it's the same. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Why is that? Because the flies are attracted to something they want. They desire the sweet taste of honey. They see it, they fly into this sticky substance, and then they get stuck in it, and they can't move anymore, and then they die. The same principle applies for us. As we're dealing with death and destruction, did you know that there's an enemy of our soul that's trying to tear us down? Jesus said that I come for life, that you might have life abundantly, but the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy of your soul isn't going to try to tempt you with something you hate. He's going to try to tempt you with something you love, something you like. And he's going to catch more of us with honey than vinegar. And I don't know if you've experienced this in life. The simple pleasures in our life often lead to pain. 
What do you do when your pleasure becomes pain? I mean, even in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis 1, right, we see that Adam and Eve and the whole humanity is created, and then they see the forbidden fruit, and the scripture says it looked pleasing to the eye, and then they ate it in rebellion to God, and that led to the fall and the sin of all humanity. But it started off with something that was pleasing to the eye. I think one of the things we need to recognize and we just need to be real here is that you like your vices, right? The things that you hate are really the things that you like. The sin that you hate is probably the sin that you appreciate the most. And this is what we need to discover. You know, I think in the church, a lot of us have been taught to just simply suppress our lust, suppress our desires, but I think we need to listen to them. What is this telling me about me? What is this saying? What is, I, what is this longing I have inside of me? Because we are designed for joy. Let's be honest. You like your desires. You know, your, your browser history declares what you like. Your spending history declares what you like. Your time declares what you actually like. The things that tempt you, I have to warn you with the scripture, though, it doesn't lead you to a life of satisfaction. And oftentimes it leaves you off worse than when you started. You know, I, I know we like to pick on hardcore drugs, but even the, the safe drugs like alcohol, a lot of us like to think we're connoisseurs of alcohol and we can just handle it. But many of us are, are we're, we're closet drunks and we're trying to cope through life by numbing ourselves to pain. Some of us with just basic drugs, we think we're okay. And I, I'm not trying to say you weren't designed for pleasure because you really were. But when you're trying to find meaning and satisfaction in substance abuse, you are being abused by the substances. And I, I have seen too many lives destroyed by the legitimate pleasures of this world. And I think we need to be careful. Stephen King, famous author, he wrote a letter to himself. And I, I found this so powerful. He wrote, Dear Me. I'm writing to you from the year 2010 when I've reached the totally ridiculous age of 62 in order to give you a piece of advice. It's simple, really, just five words. Stay away from recreational drugs. You've got a lot of talent, and you're going to make a lot of people happy with your stories, but unfortunate but true, you are also a junkie waiting to happen. If you don't heed this letter and change the future, at least 10 good years of your life from age 30 to 40 are going to be kind of a dark eclipse where you disappoint a lot of people and fail to enjoy your own success. You will also come close to dying on several occasions. Do yourself a favor. Enjoy a bright, more productive world. Remember that, like love, resistance to temptation makes the heart grow stronger. You know, these simple pleasures can become painful addictions. And I, I just want to warn you, if you're looking for substances to fill a hole in your heart, you are walking down a path of destruction. You are walking down a path of great tears like we are warned here. You know, when I was uh, in uh, about middle school, going into high school, I had moved across the state in Minnesota, and I made a brand new group of friends. And these friends were great to hang out with, but uh, soon many thought it would be funny to sell drugs but they weren't actually drugs. It was oregano that we disguised as pot. So every day, my friends would come over to my house, and we'd bring people over, and we'd package all this oregano and sell it to people, and they would smoke it and be like, oh, bro, I got so high. I'm like, yeah, you did. 
You totally did. <laughs> and uh, pretty soon, though, my, my friends were like, you know, what if we just started getting the real stuff? So my friends, this whole group selling drugs all the time, and uh, they started to taste their, their own product quite a bit. And, and my friend, he was, he was my, one of my best friends at the time. There's a group of three of us. He was a really smart guy. He was actually taking college math classes when he was at the end of elementary school, beginning middle school, and none of us were that smart. He was so ahead, had all this opportunity, but he, he started to smoke a lot, and then he started to want more and more hard drugs, and he had a pretty difficult family life, and he was just trying to escape, just trying to get by, just trying to move on, and pretty soon, he, uh, he couldn't hold his school career anymore, failed out of school, couldn't hold down any jobs anymore, and I, I went off to college, I'd given my life to God, and I, I got a message from my friend, hey, dude, our friend died. He, he was tripping out on, on some pretty intense drugs, walked into the highway, got hit by a car, and he's dead. He was only 26 years old. And I know we live in a culture that says, like, hey, do whatever you want. You're always going to be safe. But when you're a pastor, when you've been preaching and dealing with people who have been destroyed by so many substances, uh, we would feel pretty bad if we didn't even give you a warning that sometimes drugs... Sometimes substances can lead to destruction. And my good friend, he's dead now because he went down a path with no support, with no help. He's trying to fill this void in his heart, and now he's, he's dead. And it grieves my heart so much. And so, uh, you know, I, I just want to share this. Point number two, temporary things will not satisfy your eternal thirst. You know, like Pastor Amrito sharing in communion today from John chapter 4. Jesus answered in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water, whether it's the pleasures of this earth, whether it's alcohol, whether it's substance, whether it's being addicted to working out or working at your job, you're a workaholic, whether it's being addicted to your image control, any of that, everyone who drinks these kind of waters, you're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And so this, this life is the original thirst trap. You think it's going to satisfy, but it, it is a trap. Because I, I know you all are thirsty people. I know that. I've seen your profiles. We got some thirsty people in the house of God today. But there are some things that will never satisfy you. Eternal pleasures uh, are the only thing that can satisfy our eternal thirst. Amen. When I go to a party and someone offers me LaCroix, I know I'm not going to be satisfied. I mean, LaCroix is literally French. Amen. LaCroix is literally the French word for the cross, the instrument of death that killed God. And we drink this for a party? You think you're going to be satisfied by LaCroix? That is the devil! Can I get a good amen? It's like I ate some Skittles and burped into a water bottle. You will not be satisfied by the LaCroix, the cross, an instrument of death that can kill God. No! 
you'll long for something better. And I want to let you know, these temporary pleasures, the culture we live in has taught us we will find satisfaction in it. But it's LaCroix. It's LaCroix. And I just want to say, symbolically, would you put down LaCroix and pick up the cross? Someone's got to preach that. Yeah, you don't be afraid of class. Will you put down LaCroix and pick up the cross and follow who Jesus? Amen. I mean, but we, we realize this in ourselves, that these simple pleasures do not satisfy us like we want. I remember when I first started uh, experiencing good coffee, I, I realized there's such a thing as bad coffee. <laughs> And it ruined me forever. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what good coffee is, every coffee is good coffee. But when you know what good coffee is, almost all coffee is bad coffee. Can I get a better amen? And, uh, you know, the thing is, with substance abuse and these addictions, there's this term called chasing the dragon. Have you ever heard of it? It's like you, you try this substance. You have this experience. It's so good. It's changed your life forever. It's like the first time. And then you try another substance to recreate that feeling again. But the thing is, your receptors in your brain, they have been desensitized, so you can never experience that original high. So you keep on trying substance after substance after substance to chase the dragon. You never get there, and you find your life is destroyed, or you're spending all your money, or you're neglecting your family. Has anybody ever been there before? It's like, what is happening? These simple pleasures, yes, they started off innocent, but now I'm an addict. I, 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 I'm not where I wanted to be. What is going on with me? You know, there's this example. It's kind of an urban legend. It's about how uh, people in Alaska hunt wolves. And what they'll do is they'll take a knife, and they'll put it in the middle of the ice, and they'll coat it with, like, elk blood, deer blood. And so it's frozen. It's like a blood popsicle. And then these wolves have a really great sense of smell. They think there's some wounded animal. They smell the blood. They approach it. They get to the knife, and they start licking it. And there's not that much blood on it, so they lick, lick, lick. Pretty soon they get all the blood off of it, and then it's an exposed blade. And they lick and cut their tongue on the blade. But they're so driven by their lusts, they're consumed by their desires that they keep licking. And they're like, wow, this blood tastes so good. But they don't realize that they're feasting on their own blood and their desires and lusts are killing them. And then the hunters, the human hunters, will see the wolf collapse by the knife because it's been bled out to die, and they have their prey. A lot of us do this by binging shows after show after show, and we get ourselves in a world of isolation, and we wonder why I'm not satisfied after substance after substance, and we find ourselves making decisions that we hate, but we're literally bleeding ourselves out on our own desires, and the enemy sees us dead because the enemy of our soul wants us to die. Satan has a plan for your life, and he lures you away with your own desires because you catch more people with honey than vinegar and it's a trap it's a trap and it will leave you thirsty again there's this comedian named russell brand he wrote this 
It's easier for me because I've been famous now. I know that's boring. I've been rich now. I know that's boring. I've had sex with loads of people now. I know that's boring. I've took loads of drugs now. I know that's boring. So all that's left is spiritual enlightenment because you're chasing more and more. And the same things that used to satisfy you are now boring, so you need a greater experience, a greater high, a greater trigger of your adrenaline. But it's a trap. You'll just keep licking and licking until you're dead. And so the author comes to a conclusion that we need more than temporary things and starts considering our eternal God. In verse 24 of chapter 2 in Ecclesiastes, he says, So I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that all these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? Point number three, I believe this is where our joys lead us, our pursuit of joy. The pursuit of lasting joy leads us to an eternal God. Psalm 16 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's why in Psalm 34, the psalmist writes, taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe that you were designed for joy. And this isn't a message saying, hey, avoid everything that brings you joy. But I believe that when you seek good things to replace the best things, they become the worst things in your life. Anything that cuts you off from the giver of gifts is a curse. Gifts are good, but if they cut you off from the giver, they're a curse. God gives us gifts. God gives us pleasures. God gives us games, but they're all designed to be two players, God and you. Not meant to cut you off, not meant to replace you, not meant to isolate you from your relationship with God. You know, we're a church, and we have social activities. We have music. We believe in community. We believe in education. We believe in all these things. But ultimately, our truest desires are satisfied in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And my greatest prayer for you today is that you would taste and see how good God is, that you would Feast on Jesus, that you experience life in God and see, oh, my soul is satisfied in the one who created my soul. Do you just love Jesus or are you in love with Jesus? My prayer is that you would know how good he is and how much he loves you and how much you can love him in return. I love this quote. It introduces this idea of Christian hedonism. Hedonism is our pursuit of pleasure to satisfy us. And I think in the church we said, hey, don't choose joy, only choose God. But I believe our pursuit of joy leads us ultimately to our pursuit of God. John Piper writes it like this. Joy is not optional, it's essential. Christian hedonism is the conviction that God's ultimate goal in the world, his glory and our deepest desire to be happy are one and the same. Because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Not only is God the supreme source of satisfaction for the human soul, but God himself is glorified by our being satisfied in him. Therefore, our pursuit of joy in him is essential. Our pursuit of joy is essential. 
but it must lead us to God. 1 Timothy 6 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So gifts aren't bad unless they separate us from the giver. Joy isn't bad unless it leads us into a trap that's designed to kill us. How are you being satisfied today? How are you being replenished today? I know you think, oh, it's been a long day. If only I watched the show. Oh, it's been a long week. If only I can escape with this. But I'm telling you what, you need to de develop a habit of feasting on Jesus. If you don't know how to enjoy God by yourself in this community, I'm telling you what, you're going to be chasing the dragon for the rest of your life. Rather, we need to chase the Lion of God. We need to chase the Lamb of God. And when we feast on Jesus, we truly are satisfied. Many of us don't know how to satisfy ourselves on God. And that's why we're here as a church, so that we can encourage one another to pursue Jesus, so that we can be described as God chasers at Kalos Church. Oh, God has saved my life, and I'm so glad I learned that he was good. My friend... He, uh, he was going down this path, remember? He passed away at age 26. And literally at the same time, he got into these harder drugs. A girl invited me to church. We were literally the same group. We were in the same grade. He was my neighbor. Our paths led us to this one moment. And he chose these temporary highs. And not because I'm great, just because I happened to choose to get high on the most high. Jesus Christ, I cracked open a Bible and I saw that God was good. And that one decision, I'm telling you what, it changed my life forever. And I see my friend and even as I was preparing my sermon, I, I couldn't help but just weeping. That should have been me. That could have been me. But for the grace of God, someone just happened to invite me to church. And I went and I, I, I felt the presence of God I heard the hope of Jesus Christ. He spoke to me, and he wooed me, and he loved me, and he rescued me out of a pit. God is so good, and my prayer is that you would taste his pleasures forevermore. You'd experience his, his presence. And you might be right now on the same path that me and my friend are at, choosing temporary pleasures, choosing eternal pleasures. Can I just plead with you, with the attention that I have in this room? Would you choose God? Everything else is meaningless. Would you choose Jesus Christ? Would you please surrender your life to him? Would you please give him a chance? I'm telling you what, one moment with God can change your life forever. I'm telling you what, I'd rather spend one day as a greeter in this church than a thousand days ever anywhere else. I, I choose Jesus every single time. And I believe that there are people in this room, today is your day to choose them. Listen, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads in the presence of the Lord? You're here today and you, you need to make a decision. You're going down a path of destruction. You realize that nothing has satisfied you in your life. Would you surrender your life to Jesus right now? Would you be free and say, I want to I wanna start the journey of being free from addictions. I want to Start the journey of being free from an insatiable thirst. 
Lord, I want to drink of your living water so that I never have to thirst again. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this place, moving in us. He doesn't want you to experience death, but to experience life. My prayer is that you would surrender your life to Jesus. If you're here and you're just saying, Pastor Pradeepan, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to be free from this, this habit of licking the knife and losing my life. I want to be satiated on Jesus, not on my own blood. If that's you in this place, on the count of three, would you just lift up your hand? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. You're saying, hey, I need to be delivered from these addictions. I need to be free. Just raise it so I can see it. Nobody else is looking around. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else, you're saying, I, I need freedom from this, this addiction. I need freedom from this trap. Amen. Oh, Jesus, would you just hover in this room? For those of us who are empty, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would hover over this voidless, formless reality, and that you bring life that only you can bring life. Would you just in your own words, in your own language, you just say, Jesus, would you, would you satiate my hunger? Oh, Jesus, would you, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you satisfy me like only you can? Come on, Kalos. Would you just pray out loud in your own voice? Oh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into the, the depth of my heart, into the deepest parts of my heart. Would you satisfy me, Lord? Would you help me to enjoy you? Would you help me to taste and see your goodness? Oh, Jesus, we call upon you to enter into this room. Would you bring freedom? Would you bring life? Would you bring a hope? Would you bring second chances? Would you help us to enjoy your presence? And in that, joys forevermore. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.